Welcome to Zero Knowledge, a podcast where we explore the latest in blockchain technology and the decentralized web. The show is hosted by me, Anna. And me, Frederick. In this episode, we're joined by Yuta, CEO of Parity Technologies. We look back at the past year and we also share some of our excitement for the future. So here we are at the end slash beginning of the year. Um, it's that time of year again where we would like to think a little bit about what's happened in the past and what's coming up. And we have a really great guest with us to do that. Hi, Yuta. Hello. Hey, Frederick. Hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, we're here with Yuta, who is the CEO of Parity Technologies, who obviously I work very closely with. And um, Yuta, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and talk a little bit about you know, how you got into the space and, and what you do at Parity? Uh, I got into the space about four and a half years ago already, uh, quite a long time ago, um, when Ethereum just gets started. And I was reading about it in the context of how could blockchain be used for building better infrastructure where users can return, retain their their privacy, have more ownership over their, their data. That was what got me into the space. I'd read about Bitcoin before and I found it like interesting, I guess, from a mathematical perspective. I'm a mathematician by training. But really what excited me was like that potential of building better infrastructure for the web. I had started to think about that more and more, I guess, there were some concrete things that had happened, like Snowden revelations, but then also that moment when I installed WhatsApp on my phone, it was like, you have to share your whole address book to just send like a message to a friend. And that seemed so wrong. I know that there was some legendary meetup that a lot of people we know went to. Can you tell me about that? I guess, I mean, legendary. There was a meetup where <laughs> it was actually one of the two Bitcoin meetups that I went to ever in my life. Like I saw that Gav, for whatever reason, I came across when I when I was like reading a, about Ethereum four and a half years ago, I accidentally saw that Gavin would come to Berlin and speak about Ethereum at the Bitcoin meetup. And there were a few people at that meetup who are now working together, but in between didn't work together, worked on completely different things. So kind of interesting that like few people stayed in the space from that meetup. <laughs> I remember at the first Zero Knowledge Summit, we had you on stage and I think we mentioned this meetup and there was like, who was there? And there was actually some hands in the audience, yeah. which was pretty neat. It was a pretty small, I mean, it was just 20 people or so. That's at cool. Beta House in Berlin. But I guess, I mean, it's kind of natural because even if we like to believe that crypto is this really large burgeoning industry, it, it's still pretty small and niche. And like back then, it would have been much smaller as well. So, I mean, if there's like a couple of meetups in Berlin and it's not that much else going on, you can kind of, it's kind of natural that most people who are interested in it would be there. I guess the most interesting thing about that sort of meetup is seeing like how it being a Bitcoin meetup then at some point evolved into a blockchain meetup. I think that's what it's called these days. And so like those things being a reflection of what was going on in the space in general, like 
I find that always interesting to look at these things sort of, yeah, as a reflection of what's going on in history or at the time. Going back to those days, like what, what were people talking about? What was, what was the kind of new innovation, this new exciting thing that would have been happening then? Oh, I think people were like fascinated by this I- idea. Well, it was the time when, when people started to trying to get their head around like what Ethereum actually was. And so I think a lot of people got really curious by that twist that Gav brought to it, like making it that platform for decentralized apps. So that backbone for the decentral web. And I think that attracted a whole bunch of different people all of a sudden to the space. And, and that's what, what's now also growing beyond sort of the cryptocurrency enthusiasts. Did you, you would have met people around that time, I imagine, who had also been in the space longer. Have they ever spoken to you about what it was like before? I mean, before it was mainly Bitcoin. And so I I got directly into Ethereum. So there wasn't actually too much exposure to the, to the Bitcoiners back then. As I said, like I only went to that Bitcoin meetup twice. So <laughs> was that, that was Brian Cranes, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. From Epicenter. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> so after getting in touch with Gavin and other people at the foundation, you joined the Ethereum Foundation early on. What was your role at the foundation? Like when I joined, most of the team um, were had purely a development or largely a development background. And it, it came to a point where the foundation or like to launch Ethereum, like it became clear things like integrating with exchanges needed attention. Um, also the whole security aspect of it, like having some basic processes in place to ensure launch could, would be, um, would happen smoothly. So that's what I came in to ensure, um, because I had a background, like strong project management background and business experience. So while at the same time, also being a, being a scientist and, have coded myself. So I was sort of at that intersection. How long were you at the foundation? About a year, I guess. I think I joined November time in 2014, I guess, 15? Yeah, we met, 14. I think we met in 2014. <laughs> yeah. And you and definitely we, uh, joined after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. November 2014. Yeah. And then I left end of 2015. Can you tell us a little bit about that, that breakaway, how parody started? How did that company come to be? I guess we started in a bit of a similar phase as we are now, like in a crypto winter phase. Bitcoin was down to $100, so the foundation was running out of money, and there really wasn't a way of doing bigger things within the foundation. And we wanted to independently build that whole Web3 vision that that Gavin had proposed um, uh, during that Ethereum time. So that's really why we started started the company to to follow to follow that idea and vision and and build that infrastructure that is needed. Was it hard to leave the foundation? Was it like a I guess almost like the birth of parody? Was it an easy birth? Uh, it's interesting to call it a birth because I was like five five months pregnant or so <laughs> with the first child. So <laughs> I guess there's I mean there was more like personal uncertainty I would say because of that. Like how do you finance your life and whatnot? So I don't know, like I, I, that, that I think was the more important aspect for me. But yeah, I mean, we found some, some way of doing that initially and found some funding. And so here we are three years later. <laughs> that was really brave. Yeah. Was- I, I, I mean, I guess it depends. Like, I mean, what's the worst case scenario? You get a job after a year. So 
was fine. <laughs> I think that's also one of the benefits of living here in Berlin. I'm just going to do a little plug for the city that we're that we're in right yeah, now. Yeah, cost is low. There's uh, parental leave money, so you can actually, if you if you want to, you can also use it for a bit of like experimentation on that side. So I think that's something. I mean, as a North American, Canada's maybe a little bit friendlier than the states for this, but still, like I I really think Germany has created. Berlin has created this place where you can do a lot of this experimentation. Yeah. When you first started, there was a specific mission. Do you think that that's changed since then? I think it has stayed pretty much the same. I mean, we had different ideas of how what we could do about like building that vision of Web3. I mean, obviously, that's like a huge undertaking and takes a lot of work. So where do you start? Where do you focus? I mean, we had ideas around like building a browser or building a developer platform. So in that form, um, like in its materialization, things have changed. But as a mission, I think that's that has stayed pretty much the same from, from the get-go. Yeah, I think how you execute on a mission changes almost like day-to-day <laughs> or at least month-to-month. But the mission itself or the vision, I think uh, in a healthy company, it shouldn't really change. Since this is going to be a 2018 to 2019 sort of show where we're talking about a little bit of the past, a little bit of the future, I really want to come back to vision. But before we do that, I actually want to bring us back to the end of 2017. The reason I want to do that is I feel like 2017 to 2018, there's been this really, at least from my perspective, a pretty giant contrast. And I'd like to hear from you, like, if you can go back there, where were you at in 2017 at the end of it? What were you thinking about this space? Well, end of 2017, that was like the hottest phase, I guess, for ICOs and whatnot. I mean, from I guess from a parity company perspective, nothing has changed much because we've just been heads down ever since to try and get the tech out and developed. It's not nice and quiet to actually do the work, <laughs> which it wasn't about a year ago. So... I do like the fact that I think that there is now a stronger focus on what's actually happening than just the focus on the hype, So, which I think is healthy. Last year, were you? I remember we would have conversations where you voiced some concerns. You were like worried about some of the things that were happening. I don't know if it was only the ICO stuff. So I found the ICO stuff more annoying than actually worrying. I think like anybody who lost money in that like that can't be helped like if you want to make huge amounts of money and speculate then you have to also buy into the fact that you might lose money um i think the worry is more just in general whether we're whether we're too blindly sort of following some vision actually and not fully understanding what we're building and not seeing that also other things still factor into achieving a better system the crypto space is pretty big, right? You have like crypto anarchists and whatnot. But like one thing that is, for example, discussed in the space more, I guess, by the revolutionist people, like to will crypto replace governments and whatnot. And then if you look at like the different governments that we have, like, are they really that bad? And if we want to overthrow something, like we should know what we actually want to replace it by before we start just being actually just destructive in some way without having a solid battle-tested proposal? I mean, I think the debates about governance that we've seen this year 
we've had some people on the on the show about that topic. I think that has demonstrated like kind of what you're saying. It's such a it's at such an early phase that as much as there's this talk of overthrowing, like if you overthrew it now, is what exists better? Like, has it been developed in any way that it could be useful? And I'm all up for experimentation. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, experimentation is is great. And, like, a scientific approach to things is probably the best approach that we can take. But if we, in the end, achieve to make the institutions that we have better and more transparent and whatnot, like, make trust more granular, I think that's already a, a big achievement. I think the tech can obviously be used for both good and bad things as with anything. I think it, it was very like 2017 start of 2018 was very polarizing in that most people only saw the bullshit and the scams and you know the crazy like gold rush type thing and they didn't really see what the point of it was. Like why are we doing this? Is it just to like try to get a 10x return on some fictitious investment. It was a lot of that. And then it was the, the weird thing about the blockchain space is you'll have people who represent like the extreme right wing trying to make the case for blockchain is for them and people in the far left wing saying that the blockchain is for them. Uh, so it, I think the blockchain is neutral. It doesn't actually care. <laughs> I mean, it's almost abusive, right? Like, it's just <laughs> it's just taking it and making it into something that, like, y you think is what, what will prove your case or, like, lead to the future that you want. And I, I think that frustrates me also about a lot of the debates. Like, people not... I mean, I don't blame anyone that they don't have a good... or, like, a deep understanding about the technology. Like, it's early stage. It took us, like, a long time to understand what Ethereum was or, like... I think anybody, it, it took them a long yeah. time to understand what Bitcoin was if they ever came to the point that they understood. So I don't blame anybody for that, but like sort of blindly then taking it and like claiming that's the solution to everything is, that's problematic. Yeah. Something I've been saying constantly for this past year is how immature the technology is and uh, just, you know, we, we need to keep working on this. It's also why I really kind of dislike the governance debates that are going on we kind of know that some form of governance is necessary and you know we should make that good but at the same time i saw this rant by fred wilson recently uh who's an investor and he was going on about how ethereum you know needs to run more like a company and there needs to be someone who sort of takes over and drives this thing etc cetera, et cetera. and it's like well, you completely misunderstood the entire purpose of like a decentralized community, but he also has a point. Like, <laughs> you know, there is a lot of development that still needs to happen. And, you know, how do we do that if we have no leadership at all? Well, and he's an investor and it's crypto winter. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. You can read that in whatever way you want. <laughs> So I want to ask you a question, but actually I want to ask you this too, Frederick. Um, when we think of 2018, when we're looking back, what comes to mind? And maybe we can start with some of the, the challenges, <laughs> the challenges presented with 2018. I mean, if you narrow it down a little bit, at least I think like to the tech industry, I think the horrific news that we almost had it feels like daily about Facebook and the likes. It's 
um, to me something that had stood out, just that realization or like reinforcement of realization that those quasi-institutions have so much power that's completely out of control. Yeah, I would agree that the fact that so much news, like to me, it's not necessarily, you know, it's not over the past year that I've become more worried about like these centralized institutions get, get gathering data on us. Like this has been 10 years in the making. We kind of know that this is going on. What's interesting, I think, in the past year is how much it's actually been publicized, how much it's being talked about on mainstream media, how much people now actually start caring about it. And because people are caring about it, it's also being, you know, people. we dig a little bit deeper into it. Like we uh, uncover Cambridge Analytica and like election manipulations, et cetera, et cetera. Like we could have guessed that this was going on from just the way the internet works. But um, I think everything actually coming to the, like not everything, but some of the, these things coming to the table has been important and that it's now somewhat in people's minds. And uh, I think it's also, you know, when, when I've been around the conference circuit and whatever in this past year, it is something that is talked about as a sort of core motivation for decentralized technologies in general. In a way, it's basically been encouraging that we're working on the right things that we sort of always felt we shouldn't be working on in any case. And I mean, most of the people that are technical have taken certain measures or like minimum measures in any case to like not be too exposed. But yeah, but so it's good. It's good that this is all getting more attention. And you see that that this whole notion of Web3 and the decentral web got a bit more, um, more of a general audience. I totally agree with you, Frederick, where it's like, we've been aware of it for a while, but the con like the actual impact, I mean, we knew our data existed in the hands of others, but I think w at least I always had the, the idea that like the bad side of that will be, you know, infringement on personal data or, pe you know, it, people having access. I, I never thought about the implication of like, demographic targeting and what that actually means for things like democracy like that, large scale systematic uh, yeah i mean that and i think i mean it's, it's not just last year i think it was the year before that as well i mean i think like most things something will happen it will take some time for the research and facts and information to really come out and i do see i also agree with you guys that this year was a year where it became very clear and i think the stakes got raised like it's not just like, oh, no, they're going to know my shopping habits and target me on the sidebar of my, you know, my Gmail account, blah, 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 which is what it was before. It's like, holy shit. Like these problems we think are so worked out are all of a sudden coming back. We're like, whoa, OK, like we we can't rely on these systems the way we used to. So do you do you then see 2018 being a year of like your vision becoming more clear or do you just feel like do you feel like there's been more proof that this is the right direction i mean when you lead a when you lead a company like there's all sorts of stuff that you do on a day-to-day -day basis i think it clearly helped 
staying motivated like you get reminded basically daily that what you're doing is super relevant and that's i guess what i meant by it's it wasn't it's encouraging and like it keeps you on track and despite like when things go wrong or are difficult like you are constantly reminded every day that you have to do it i think what's weird for me this past year is when the price was as low as it is right now i was on the ethereum subreddit and i was like relatively active in the ethereum community and feeling the buzz and like everything that was going on and then like at the start of the year we hit peak hype and then it was all garbage and so i left most of the communities and then now when it's low again i don't really have a good sense of are people depressed are people happy are people like is there still that buzz or like what's going on and i think that's a bad thing for me uh, and it's something that i want more of like now is okay what is the feeling now that all the scammers are gone and all this kind of yeah garbage is gone are we back now to our roots of wanting to build things and like realize this vision or Or people just like, nah, fuck it. It's not going to happen. Just left. <laughs> well, as somebody who has been very much out in the community this year, um, I believe there is a depression for sure. There's a lot of people who I think are kind of disillusioned. I think it's pretty revealing in a way. It sort of shows like what, I mean, I don't blame them. I don't, I'm, this is not a like a deep criticism. I think it's quite normal. If you feel that flush, that excitement, especially people who had been in it a long time, all of a sudden seeing their fortunes grow at, and this validation that this, this mission that they were on was getting picked up by a lot of people. That's very exciting. And this past year, what I, what I've seen is sort of like a slow descent into a hangover of like an intellectual or like a financial hangover of some sort, this feeling that like, you know, we're all waking up after the party and it's like, I don't feel so good anymore. And the picture isn't as pretty as I want it to be. I guess the nice thing then is to not be part of that community. And, uh, and yeah, just keep on focusing on technology, which is my strategy. At the same Actually, time, the best thing about 2018 is that I cut down on like lots of conferences. <laughs> <laughs> actually, what I was going to say, one of the cons of 2018 was actually conference fatigue. I mean, but that's super normal. A space explodes. Everyone wants to do something about it. Events happen. I mean, I'm, I put together this conference list every month. And so I've seen like just more and more crypto conferences. I've been to a lot of them. And myself, I felt this by the end of the year. I was like, I can't go to any more conferences. Even by DevCon, I was like, I'm so tired of this. And it's a, it's a shame because it's actually a really nice community. But yeah, I definitely, I, I did too much. I guess you didn't. That was smart, Yuta. <laughs> That's the thing I'm going to do for next year is actually cut down on conferences. I'm going to focus in on like some small, super important ones. So, I mean, one one narrative is this idea of a descent into a hangover. But I also do think that there is, I think, obviously, there's been a lot of teams that have become more focused. I think there is a bit of a cutting of the fat. Maybe some financial mismanagement has been revealed. And hopefully teams have sort of shaped up in time to salvage the projects that they're working on and like get it more focused. Had that bubble continued, I think, I mean, even if it had maintained somehow, I feel like you would see just so much waste. I actually think like if you are if if you give young minds too much cash too quickly, 
I think there's a lot of damage that can be done. And I, yeah, I don't know. It's very opinionated here, but I think there's a cha- I think there's something to be said for like the challenge of working with too much with, money. I think there's something to be said for working with a bit less than. Yeah, you have to focus. Yeah. Crypto. What? What do you call it? Crypto rot. Uh, Moon rot. You know, someone gets too rich and doesn't want to work anymore. That definitely happens, and I think. Um, you know, for for some for some selection of those people, it's it's a sad loss, uh, and like they would have been good contributors and would have done some good stuff. But for most of them, like it doesn't really matter. There there are other people that will take their shoes. And the good thing is, some people work regardless of whether they have a lot or little money, and so. Yeah. <laughs> and I think those those are the the more important people to keep in the community and make sure that they stay and are happy because they actually care about it. When you think of 2018, when you're looking back, what came out of this year that you think was really good? What came out of the year that was really good? (laughs) (laughs) Headaches, only headaches. (laughs) (laughs) Too much work. The fact that I can finally take holidays. Like from, I mean, from a company's perspective, I'm 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 pretty happy about like what we've achieved with things like Substrate. So actually pushing the technology a huge step forward to offering people a platform to build on and develop decentralized applications. So I'm really excited about that. Also, in view of 2019, to see where things are going, I think it's it's great. I mean, I'm a scientist by by training, and that comes through every now and then. So I'm really excited to see people just taking it, playing with it, experimenting, and that's what I'm I'm excited about for the next year. Personally, I think uh, the biggest good thing in the past year is th- the drop in the price. I think I think it's fantastic. I just love it. There's <laughs> <laughs> so much less crap going on, and yeah, we can focus on building stuff and. It kind of weeds out like which companies built a sustainable model around their company, which ones have to like close down or fire everyone. Um, you know, it it sort of yeah, it distills this set of people who are actually doing something real, and uh, I think that's good. And of course, like on the company side, tons of great stuff have happened. We've like doubled the size of the company, which is amazing, uh, and we've we've like managed to do that without destroying our culture, which, you know, if you asked me a year ago, I'm not sure I would have said that we could do that, but we, I think we've managed. And I remember that conversation. I would say kind of in line with that, I think there's been a separation from like real, the real use cases for this technology and the crazy ass bullshit proposals that we were seeing, but it was really, yeah. I feel like in the last year you start to see like, this is something that would actually make sense or is making sense. And then you see those proposals that would have been made last year, 2017, beginning of 2018, just like, I mean, it's basically seeing these projects just completely collapse. The realization that like, you can't use, you can't stick blockchain on every single problem and expect it to actually do something. And especially if you've raised money on that promise, now you're in a really tricky situation because you like, there's, you will not be able to deliver on your promise. And that is going to become very clear to the outside world. I don't know. I mean, I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm not like, oh, yay, the failed projects. But I believe that like there has been, I've seen at least a separation between those two groups. 
I mean, I, I think there's different levels. So obviously, like the complete outright scams and the people who raised $100 million on some idea that we know for a fact is not possible to build. Indeed, I think most of those have shut down by now and you're kind of seeing a lot of them leave. But you also have other projects that have raised even like billions that are still going. And it's just, you know, maybe they ship something someday or maybe not. And they, they're still going and like it, the the jury's still out. Uh, so I think there's still a lot of those left and we're, that'll, that's going to take like 10, 20 years to resolve because they just have that much cash. And you got to keep in mind that like most of the people that did ICOs, they probably sold most of their ether on whatever else they had at peak. So they have money to keep things going for a long time. I'm not sure but everybody yeah, did that. Scams, I'm not so. sure everybody I'm not, did I'm that. I'm not convinced everybody did that. No, no, I didn't say everybody. A lot of them. <laughs> Even not a lot of them. Yeah, that's interesting that you t- that you see it that way. Because like, I, I think we definitely are, I mean, I've seen some companies and like really well-intentioned companies like struggling right now. And in a way, it was because I think they, there's almost a sense that you want to remain true to the mission. And to remain true to the mission means holding crypto. Yeah, and with but that's a- the well-intentioned ones. 99% of them were not well-intentioned. <laughs> so the scams got away. Is that what you're trying to say? They yeah. they got away with it? That's terrible. That's a terrible end-of-year idea. <laughs> In the end, there will be justice. Okay. Do we have anything else to say about last year? It's been a long year. It's been very strange. Like sometimes I talk to someone who's like, oh, you remember this thing that happened the other day? It's like, yeah, that, that was like four months ago. So yeah, the concept of time has become difficult this year. So here we are starting off 2019. Feels quite strange to say that, by the way. 2019. Wow. Where do we go from here? I don't think any of us three are people who like to predict too much. What do you feel confident saying like you expect coming up? I expect a lot of good code to ship from the space in general. So like Ethereum, I think we'll work on specking out some of the sharding stuff. Uh, you know, we'll see if we get through some of the Ethereum one improvements. That would be good. It feels like there's uh, an ethos in the community that we actually want to improve things now. And so we'll see if we can actually push that and, and do some improvements. Like 2018 hasn't really brought any improvements and I almost explicitly so like kind of said that, you know, we should all focus on ETH 2.0 and we shouldn't really do anything with 1.0. And I think now it's kind of clear that we have to do something. Yeah, I expect some good, good code on that front. But there's also a ton of other cool stuff happening. So like I expect a lot out of like Starks, ZK Snark improvements will continue. Um, General, just like cryptographic primitives are in such like velocity right now i feel like a ton of good stuff will come in 2019 and i'm really excited for this conference and stanford thing uh, in january which is like an academic thing and i'm like i think a lot of good like presentation on new theory will come and yeah like zcash hopefully the z parody zcash implementation ships which would be cool yes please um, <laughs> yeah there i think there's a lot of good good stuff good that stuff in the pipeline and like the decentralized web sphere as a whole seems to be gaining a lot of momentum so like even outside of blockchain you have the dat project and the beaker browser and 
Uh, you have Tim Berners-Lee with his project and like you have all these people, like even the creators of TCP and everyone like getting together now saying, hey, this is a problem. We need to re-decentralize the web. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that a lot of them will actually ship stuff in 2019. What do you think, Yuta? I'm 100% with Fred on this one. I'm just really excited about all this all these developments, like seeing things like come together. So I think we we are going to see in 2019, like a, a little bit of things coming together already. I mean, granted, there's still a lot of work to be done, but I think we're starting to see it happening. I don't know if this is a positive or not, but I know that Facebook has also invested a lot into some decentralized things. I feel like that yeah, might face coin. <laughs> face coin. <laughs> um, so I'm definitely with you on, um, given the deep dives we've done into zero-knowledge topics this year, I'm very, I mean, I've, I've been extremely excited to see that momentum throughout this past year. I've seen it grow. I mean, just the groups that we're part of or that we've kicked off, we've just seen like more and more really, really bright people be interested in it. And a lot of projects that before seemed kind of removed from this topic get into it. I think that's super cool. And it, coming up, just sort of like how this year f unfolded where, you know, every, let's say every month or every few weeks, a new sort of concept around this would emerge, either through a conference, a video, somebody would send something over. And I'm really, really looking forward to that going forward as well. And I think that's the, actually the the most crucial thing that there is this movement of innovators people just excited to experiment combine take things apart put them together again and and all the different pieces being reassembled shifted around i think that's actually the most exciting exciting and most important thing that's currently happening i'm i've been consistently amazed at how cryptography or these like deep math concepts become sought after like all of a sudden you have people who are like hungry for math workshops in a way that i don't like i've never seen i never saw it when i was a student i never saw it in tech um and in the past like it's for me that's really exciting it makes I mean, me i've seen it in tech in in other spheres so like People who got into machine learning and AI, this is the exact same thing that they went through. So, yeah, but we've had like people on this podcast throughout the entire year. Everyone who's like a researcher slash academic slash, you know, kind of in that sphere of writing papers, whether for private or like academic use. I think that they comment on a lot is how fast something goes from paper to in production. And even like seasoned academics say that they've never seen it go that fast. And uh, yeah, I think that's cool. Like I, I used to go to this um, ICFP functional programming conference that would talk about like programming language theory and, and like new things coming to programming. And it was really exciting. And I knew like at that, if I saw something at that conference, I might see it in a programming language in like 10 years. But if I go to a crypto conference today, crypto as in cryptography, which is the real term for it. Uh, <laughs> you snob. <laughs> um, if you go to a crypto conference today, you can, you can, it's like you have that little feeling of like, this might actually, you know, be in production next year. I and mean, that's cool. 
Yeah. I think in our conversation with Benedict Bunst, we touched this a little bit, which was the idea that trying to encourage people to move faster on this is very useful for all. And the way that it's actually happened, at least in on the academic front, has a little has been a little bit of, and I'm, I, I hope this doesn't diminish it, but it's, it's been made quite cool. Like there's a cachet to it. There's something really yeah. cool about working on these things and publishing papers like this. And if that is motivating more energy, excitement, good brains, and financial input, then I think that that's good. Even if it's a bit, you know, it's it's hip or whatever. I actually, I think if yeah, that can be sure. used for good, then it's good. I mean, I think it's a, in the same way as much as like we would have looked back over the last year and thought, oh man, we saw like the most extreme case of greed. I mean, greed in this case also did motivate probably some really good brains from top universities to get into the space. And hopefully a bunch of them stayed, yeah. even, even if greed in itself is not awesome. Maybe maybe there's been some good outcomes. Well, it's what makes Bitcoin work. <laughs> yeah. So it makes a lot of this work. I um speaking of Facecoin, I wanted to quote a tweet from uh Josh Cincinnati of the Zcash Foundation. He just posted this like a couple hours ago. It goes, The year is twenty thirty four. There's a worldwide government with a singular tax code. 10% per value sent in WhatsApp. You can only pay in face coins. 75% of all messages are ads. Ouch. <laughs> not not completely unrealistic. I think I think we give too much credit. You know that like 15 years ago Facebook was nothing. Was it 15 years ago? Yeah. I like there was a presentation by Lily Lou that I saw earlier this year where she had that statement or thought of government still has the killer distribution i think that's worth thinking about <laughs> i don't think it's gonna happen but it, it feels like a thing that could happen and that's bad enough so i think that we've covered a lot of ground in this conversation i hope that i mean i think it's very difficult to predict what's coming up I'm definitely excited, though. I think you guys are, too. So it's the first episode of the year. Which people would you want to see on the podcast this coming year? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's not an easier question. <laughs> Tim Berner-Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be great to get an update by Juan Benet. That could be nice. Um... I only met Lily Lou last year for the first time. I think she has great thoughts and like a really interesting perspective on like Asia and uh, and Western Europe and the US and how this all plays together with crypto. Um, and then I'd love to hear a comprehensive update from Elizabeth Stark on Lightning uh, to go back to the initial topic of Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, we haven't done very much on Bitcoin in general, so I think that would be a great a great topic for sure. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.